Hello, my name is David Ewan, and this is part two of the sequel uh, related to my discussion about first fruits. There was already a YouTube podcast uh, that was produced and sent out related to a great summary of first fruits. And this is going to be the conclusion of that. Uh, what we'll have is a review of what we spoke about in the first part, provide some more detail, and then we'll show how using the principles of first fruits, how history shows a prosperous future. And this is a true story of nations. We'll see that God is in control, God paves the way, and just to be there and to seek Him. So you'll see the impact of first fruits from one man's life, a true story that you won't hear in any other church. So as a review from our last session, um, there are two keywords that I'll talk about, um, act and symbol. We learn through the Bible through acts and the symbol they represent. We also, uh, you'll pardon my voice as I'm getting over a little bit of laryngitis, uh, but I'll get through it. Um, number two, two more keywords, character and integrity. What is most important in our, li- in our lives is our character and integrity. So we're talking about acts and symbols, character and integrity. So we, we talked in our first session about first fruits, the difference between tithes and offerings, because we needed to understand tithes and offerings before talking about first fruits. So we said tithes is an act of obedience, which is a symbol of integrity. Offerings is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. Okay. And then we talked about the difference between tithes, offerings, and first fruits. Okay. Well, first fruits relates to harvesting. Uh, and that is what is gathered in possession that is owned by God. In biblical times, the economy was agriculture. In present day times, it's financial. So the agriculture was owned by God in biblical times. And for what you and I are related to, we talk more in terms of financial. So today's economics relates to finances rather than agriculture. Okay. So what do I mean by prosperity? Prosperity relates to the future of greatness in terms of our needs. Uh, things like survival needs, food, clothing, and shelter, finances, um, education for the babies uh, and our children, uh, family support, spiritual needs, general well-being. Okay, so let's take a look at. Uh, Another looked at acts and symbols. I told you before that tithes was an act of obedience, a symbol, uh, which is a symbol of integrity. Offerings is an act of giving, which is a symbol of character. And first fruits, that's an act of harvesting, which is a symbol of prosperity. So it's paving the path to the future. So we talked about in our first session that the Hebrew word for first fruit is bikarum. It li- literally translates to promise to come. Okay, the Israelites saw the first fruits as an investment into their future. God told them that if they brought their first fruits to Him, He would bless all that came afterwards. So, first fruit offerings are typically an annual gift to the church done at harvest time, um, and at the Resurrection Center in the year 2019, it will be the 21st of April. 
The motivation of first fruits is a free will offering that we offer out of our generosity. It shows that we're not in love with money, but that we are grateful to God as the ultimate re, uh, source of in, of the increase that he provides us. Um, and we are thankful for that. James chapter 2 verse 17 reads, Thus also faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Um, so on the calendar and scheduling, the first month, Nisan, that's the first Hebrew month, that's the Passover month. It's a traditional anniversary of the creation of Adam and Eve. It's, so the first man and woman, according to the Hebrew Bible, in the inauguration of humanity's role in God's uh, world. Passover commences on the 15th of the Hebrew month of Nisan and lasts for either seven or eight days, depending on uh, groups of people um, that we talked about in our previous discussion. So in 2019, it's April 20 through the 27th. So Sunday falls on the 21st, so that's why at the Resurrection Center in the year 2019, we celebrate um, first fruits, the ceremony on that day. Okay, so God's holy principle of first fruits. Let's talk about that. God first explains first fruits. Then God shows first fruits is the key to your future. And then most importantly, first fruits is more than just an offering. It's a principle. Okay. Uh, God explains first fruits. Let me talk about the first one. In Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10, God declares, when you come into the land which I give you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. That's Leviticus chapter 23, verse 10. Okay, so the divine establishment of God's order is actually the root, the foundation that governs the rest. Okay, now let's talk about uh, God shows first fruits is the key to your future. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow. Okay, now again, this is based on an economy of agriculture. The same would apply to today's economy. I just read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. <clears throat> so finally, first fruits is more than just an offering, it's a principle. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, uh, the scripture reads, But seek seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. The, the focus is on God and what he owns. So again, I spoke that God explains first fruits. God shows first fruits as the key to your future. And first fruits is more than just an offering. It's a principle. Okay. So first things first. When you keep first things first through faith and obedience, you turn to God's promise uh, into provision because he wants you to succeed. The principle of first fruits is God's plan for us to prosper and to be health healthy all year long. <clears throat> it's a big sacrifice, but it's a seed for the harvest. The key word is harvest. You say, I am believing in the coming year, and God always provides. So God adds the things to you when and only when the foundation of putting him first in your life has been firmly established. So let's talk about the promise to come. Um, as I said before, um, the first fruits in Hebrew is Bikram and literally means promise to come. And there's only one who never breaks his promise, God. So that is why the truth behind his promise 
to come in God's word is so powerful. Though uh, long overlooked by many, this divine establishment of God's order of things is actually the root that governs the rest. When you keep first things first through faith and obedience, you turn to God's promise into provision, abundant provision. The giving of first fruits must be done promptly along with payment of tithe. Okay? Meaning they're not the same. So in Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5, the scripture reads, As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all of the produce of the field. And they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Romans chapter 11, verse 16. If the part of a dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Giving the first, not the last, but the first of your finances to God will cause all of your finances for the rest of the year to be holy. First fruits causes God to treat your finances as holy, giving you favor with God because your finances are connected to the first fruit offering. First, first fruits are giving the first portion to God. Okay? So now I'm going to go tell you about um, our, a true story that goes back decades. Okay? Uh, my father's mother, my grandmother, was part of the worship team of the church. She played the organ. Okay? Uh, my father and his brother, along with his parents, were very much involved with the church. My mother was always quoting scripture while growing up. And so I, I always heard that. Okay, so my parents grew up in the Great Depression. They grew up during difficult times. The Great Depression was the worst economic downturn in the history of the industrialized world, lasting from 1929 to 1939. That was followed by World War uh, II in 1941. Okay, so here's, here's what happened. When my father died in 2015, my mother the year before, we discovered my parents provided offerings to the community in South Deerfield, including the church. They provided a first fruit. They also did that in the town of Weston, outside of Boston, where I grew up. We never knew this until they passed, we, because we were looking at records. Um, as I was growing up, my parents stopped going to church, so I wasn't raised in the church. The idea of a minivan didn't exist back then to support a large family. Nine kids, after all, with two of them being twins. You know, as my wife says, uh, they call that in Colombia, no TV. Um, but that, <laughs> but that didn't stop my parents from providing a kind of first fruits to the community, including churches. That was held private until after they passed when it was discovered. So they never announced it, not even to their children. My father kept this first fruits upbringing he had with him and spread a sense of the philosophy. Okay, he understood the principle. Uh, we can learn about first fruits from our history and it doesn't have to go as far back as the Old Testament in biblical times. You'll see the impact of first fruits from one man's life, a true story that you won't hear in any other church. So we begin our story in 1941. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt says, Yesterday, December 7, 1941, a date which will live in infamy, the United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval air forces of the Empire of Japan. So what God did at Pearl Harbor and beyond on December 7, 1941, is based on a future paved by Christians who asked God for the prosperity in the midst of tragedy. 
In other words, they offered their first fruits. It wasn't long after the Great Depression. Back then, America was seeking God. Whatever they had, they gave to God to reach blessings. My mother always said, you reap what you sow. This is what she meant. She lived it. Men and women of faith gave an outpouring of their personal harvest to become the greatest generation. The greatest generation, by the way, is a term used to describe those who grew up during the Great Depression and fought World War II or those who, whose labor helped win it. Okay, the greatest generation is coined by former NBC nightly news anchor and author Tom Brokaw. He wrote the book, The Greatest Generation. It's a story of faith in the midst of tragedy. Christians during those times gave all they had for their future. Again, their first fruits. Okay, so let's talk more. So let's talk about what happened on Sunday, December 7th, 1941. Admiral Chester Nimitz was attending a concert in Washington, D.C. He was paged and told there was a phone call for him. When he answered the phone, it was Franklin, uh, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt on the phone. He told the Admiral that he would now be the commander of Pacific East Fleet. Admiral Nimitz flew to Hawaii to assume command of the Pacific Fleet. He landed at Pearl Harbor on Christmas Eve in 1941. Very important, Christmas Eve. My own father was a naval lieutenant serving as pilot and radio communications officer on a four-engine bomber, the B-24, the Liberator. And while as pilot, he also served as captain. Double duty back in those days. So let's talk about Jesus' day. Christmas Day, 1941. Christians were turned to God on Christmas Day and prepared to give a kind of first fruits for their country. People would die for the future of their children and country. Admiral Nimitz was given a boat tour of the destruction that happened in Pearl Harbor. Um, Admiral Nimitz is quoted as saying, the Japanese made three of the biggest mistakes an attack force could ever make, or God was taking care of America. Which do you think it was? And he explained the blessings in three ways. The first one. Admiral Nimitz said the Japanese attacked on Sunday morning. Uh, nine out of every ten crewmen of those ships were ashore on leave. If those same ships had been lured to sea and had been sunk, we would have lost 38,000 men instead of 3,800 men. Bottom line, we still had warriors. We had sailors. Blessing number two. Again, Admiral Nimitz said, when the Japanese saw all those battleships lined up in a row, they got so carried away sinking those battleships, they never once bobbed our dry docks opposite those ships. If they had destroyed our dry docks, we would have had nothing. Bottom line, we had ships, uh, we had resources. Uh, mistake number three. Admiral Nimitz said, every drop of fuel in the Pacific theater of war is in top of the ground storage tanks five miles away over that hill. Points to it. Over that hill. One attack plane could have bombed those tanks and destroyed our fuel supply. Bottom line, we had resources. We had sailors for ships with all the resources. We entered World War II in 1941. In 1945, we ended it. God's hand making a change for his purpose. Let's talk about that. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This is another way to say God works in mysterious ways. 
On August, on August 6, 1945, at 8.15 a.m. local time, the United States detonated an atomic bomb over the Japanese city of Hiroshima. And I know people from present-day Hiroshima. On August 9, 1945, the United States dropped a second atomic bomb on uh, the Japanese city of Nagasaki. The surrender ceremony was held on September 2 aboard the USS Missouri. Now, God makes his blessings known. God makes his blessing known. Admiral Chester moved on to have the USS Nimitz, CBN-68, named after him. At, with the retirement of the USS Enterprise, the U.S. Nimitz is now the oldest U.S. aircraft carrier in service. The Admiral's name uh, is carried on. The son of a church organ player, Lieutenant Ewan, and captain of a B-24 Liberator, became a space explorer at Harvard University and helped pave the way for manned exploration of space. Less than 19 years later, man was on the moon. And I spoke to one of the astronauts, Dr. Edgar Mitchell. So, my father became the father of nine children and ten grandchildren. He was blessed to be married for 58 years. And what happened to my brother, uh, my grandmother, who played the piano? I should say the organ, you ask. My wife's engagement ring is her engagement ring. Her memory continues. And today, Japan is flourishing with prosperity in so many different ways and is a key ally to the United States and the Asian Pacific. I do a lot of work with Japan, and I've been doing that for about four years. So, in closing, let me talk about the evolution of change from the hand of God that demonstrates the principles of first fruits. If God can mold the future of prosperity and bring unity among nations, then can he do the same for you? God has a future for you. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Your first fruits plants the seed and paves the way to your future. It's your future. Only you can sow the seed and reap the rewards. The greatest generation of World War II is of the past, but the best generation is yet to come. It's yours if you want it. You have to choose. God shows the future by principle. We see it in history, and that's what's happening in America.